with your permission, Lord Jesus Christ, truly present here on the altar. We have come here to St. Mark's Church, St. Mark's Parish, to pray and to be silent, to focus our hearts and our minds in the presence of God. And our prayer now leads us to place our eyes on God here, exposed in the Blessed Sacrament, in that monstrance. Jesus Christ, truly present. God, the Father of mercies, and Jesus Christ, our model, whom we want to imitate. And that's what we come to do when we come to pray here. We come to focus, to concentrate, to be silent, to open our hearts to His to his movements, his motions, the motions of the Holy Spirit. But also we have come here this evening also to turn our gaze a little bit towards ourselves. Not to navel gaze and to, I don't know, to think about ourselves so much, but to try to examine it's one of the fundamental approaches to the interior life, to examine oneself, to examine our conscience, to search in the depths of that voice of God, to tell us something that we have to look at about ourselves, something inescapable, something essential, and to see if it's happening within us. And that, that essential thing is to see if we are, we are collaborating if we are corresponding to God's will in our life, if we are saying yes, if we are actively uh, collaborating with God's grace. God gives us His grace, but we have to correspond, we have to collaborate with our free response, our free active response. Indeed, you've come here tonight because you freely wanted to, and that's already the beginning of a response. It's something. It may have taken you some time to come here, to prepare the day, or, or, or to save this time. And of course, uh, in that response, we realize we have our defects, we have our limitations, and of course, all, all saints had to struggle against their own sins and against their defects. There, there are no sins, rather, there are no saints without sin, except the Blessed Virgin Mary as a unique exception since she was the mother of God. And so what we want to focus on this evening as we turn our gaze a little bit more to examine ourselves is that correspondence to God's grace, to what extent does it really involve a personal, habitual struggle? How often do I really struggle? Just as the saints did. The saints had defects, they had sins, and they sometimes had them pretty, pretty deeply ingrained. But they decided freely to say no to those things, and they developed a kind of a, a program, a battle, a battle cry to struggle against those things which were separating them from God. And it was a battle, a combat, a struggle, 
we call it the ascetical struggle, we call it the interior struggle, we call it a battle, we call it a, a warfare, different, I suppose, different vocabularies you could use. And great emperors of the past, the Roman emperors, and even see people like Napoleon, always had, uh, would win these strategic battles because they had very well organized armies. And they would say, okay, this army is going to go over here and it's going to, it's going to uh, you know, gain this, this area. And they always had the loyalty of their troops. And those troops were very disciplined and they followed orders. And they could win territories, they could win entire regions. That's how the empire, the Roman Empire was conquered by, the, by dint of these very well-disciplined well troops. And back then, of course, those soldiers did not involve citizens. They did not attack citizens. They just, they just had, it was, like, it was like machinery. It was warfare. Until, I mean, even citizens didn't even know that there were wars going on. They just didn't get involved. They just were there and maybe they were conquered by somebody, but they didn't know about it. Until the later revolutions like the, the, the French Revolution and then the Russian Revolution, then citizens of all ages got involved and it really got really ugly. Ordinary men and women would start to sabotage enemy lines and, and this of course made the, the war in just enormously violent and deadly because everybody got involved. Now we are not obviously in a political revolution here. We're not here in a war to expand our empire. But we do have an enemy. We have a we have a very nasty enemy. And we have another war to fight. And some people don't even know that there's a war going on, like those citizens during the Roman Empire or you know in the 17th century or they don't even know there's a war going on. Many people think that faith is all about accepting certain propositions. I, I believe in this. I agree with that. They accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, or a kind of premise that we, we have to sign on to, we have to agree with. I'm Catholic and therefore I agree with this and I believe in this. And I say the creed and then I'm Catholic. That's it. Many people are signing on to the prosperity gospel. They believe that the, if they pray, uh, you know, it'll be a kind of a, kind of a bless me club um, with a kind of spiritual thinking, a spiritual prayer. If you pray the right way, God will help you and make you rich. And if you're not rich, you're not praying properly somehow. So the, the lie of the prosperity gospel which is very popular today in the States and other places. We are here to, rem to remember and to be reminded of the fact that we are actually involved in a strategic war against ourselves, against the devil, against the inclination of the flesh. Because we're all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. We're sons and daughters of God, but yeah, but we're also sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, who and we've inherited from them original sin. And we have all been infected by the real dangerous virus, which is uh, pride, egotism, laziness, just the different forms of, of sin. 
personal sin that we're responsible for. And we have uh, a kind of a genetically inherited disease that weakens our immune system and as a result can make us loathe to fight, to struggle, to get into a battle. We can even deny the fact that we are in a war. We, think, we, can, we can think it's just about loving Jesus and that's it. Of course Christ came to save us and he died on the cross for our salvation. But that suffering you know, of Christ and that salvific um, program of our Lord has to be applied to each one of us through our own correspondence, through our own struggle. A loving yes to the will of God which we can see realized in ourselves. St. Paul said it marvelously in the letter to the Colossians at the very beginning. He says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and will fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body which is the church. I rejoice in, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. In fact, Pope John Paul II used these very words of St. Paul at the very beginning of his famous encyclical Salvifici Dolores on the salvific meaning of, of suffering or, or pain in 1984. He started with those words and he explains that St. Paul says this after a long time meditating on the cross on why he himself had to go through so many hardships and he lists all the difficulties that he went through and he came to the joyful conclusion that all the hardships that he went through the cross that he endured and so forth that that it was not meaningless and that's why we have to embrace suffering in our life in some way Embrace it, not so much, well, we have to embrace suffering or accept it, but especially now the willingness to struggle against our defects, to struggle against pride. And we can really say somehow with St. Paul, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. That's what St. Paul said. I rejoice for your sake. And for him it was a real joy. It was a joy to discover this. And so, if we insert into our life a sporting spirit of struggle, like, like, like a good army, like army soldiers, like soldiers of Christ, something truly joyful could happen to us. But for that, we need to understand the meaning of that struggle. We need to value the importance of starting over and over again, incorporating in our life a kind of a, what we call the ascetical struggle. It's a traditional term. There was a famous uh, spiritual treatise, I believe it dates to the 16th century or so, but was left anonymous for some years and then was rediscovered around the 17th century by a Italian religious author, his name was uh, Lorenzo Scupoli Lorenzo Scupoli for a long time they didn't know who this was and, and he wrote a book called 
uh, il combate spirituale, which means the spiritual combat. And uh, well, it became a well, it became a classic. It became very, very popular in the 17th century. Many, many people read it. Even St. Francis de Sales loved this book. He kept a copy of, of this book in his, pocket, in, in his pocket all the time. He could go through it. And he said it, it kept his soul young and vigorous, always attentive to the very danger, the possibility of lethargy seeping into his soul, lukewarmness might creep in a lukewarmness that was expressed by a kind of a weak will, a, a, a lack of fortrightness or being fortright in, 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 in struggling against defects, just a kind of laziness in the spiritual life. And this book, The Spiritual Combat, had a whole series of, of, uh, of chapters uh, you know, that, uh, that helped him and many others to avoid any kind of routine to creep in into our dear life. The same is true of a love affair, of a marriage. You have to always keep a good shine on your marriage. Keep it clean, like, like, a, like you polish beautiful shoes. You, you wear your shoes for a while, if you don't polish them, oh, they're going to just get all scuffed and, and not too nice. So you got to put them in, and then you got to polish them, but you got to get down on all fours practically and start to you know, rub the black stuff on and then, and then polish them and, you know, it's not like you ought to go to one of those places and just put your feet up and they, they do it for you, you know. Uh, otherwise, the, the shoes become dull, humdrum, lacking in dynamism. And our spiritual life will not survive that. Uh, a marriage will not survive that. We have to put gumption and, and drive and struggle. Routine is the sepulcher of piety. If we do things with routine. It's the opposite of passion and emotion and, and, and just, it's not so much the, passion, the opposite of passion and emotion. It's really the opposite of, of a willingness to struggle. That's what I would say routine is. You get into a routine, you're not willing to struggle. You're accepting your interior life, going to mass with a kind of mere contentment. Con you're content. And we certainly cannot be content with contentment. Certainly not with mediocrity. That's why we're here for you, Lord. So you can, you can insert within us this willingness to suffer, to struggle, to work against our defects, to know what our defects are and work them away. And not accept mediocrity, not accept a sort of a humdrum attitude. Some people, some people only go to confession when they are conscious of having committed a mortal sin. I mean, is that good to go to? Yeah, I'll go, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good to go to confession when you've committed a mortal sin. Now, of course, but confession can also be the place to really, you could say, develop a more refined struggle to improve our abhorrence of even a venial sin. That doesn't mean we're beginning petty or beginning picky. Because we want the, the battle to stay far from the fortress walls. We don't want ever to offend our Lord. And we are, we are all 
called to holiness, a great holiness. This is not just for a few people, we know that. But since we're called to holiness, well, we have no choice. We have to get into that, 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 that battle. And indeed, when you, when you struggle, you, you, well, anybody who has an interior life will, will want a spiritual director, somebody to guide them, somebody to sort of prod them along. And indeed, the, one of the first things you always talk about when you talk in spiritual direction is you talk about your struggle. Your struggle. What are you struggling in right now? When you go to spiritual direction, you don't, you don't, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can say, well, my faith is like this, my prayer life, okay, like that, this, so forth. But uh, the main essential area that you want to address when you go to spiritual direction, or for that matter, for, in confession, is this is the area of weakness. This is where I'm struggling. In fact, I've been struggling in this area for a long time. It would be good that, for example, each one of us this evening identify, for example, our dominant defect. What's your dom? Do you know? Do you even know your dominant defect? Well, I tend to micromanage. Oh, I can I tend to get very, 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 very nervous. I have anxiety issues. I um, I'm a perfectionist, or or I have anger, or I'm distracted, impatient. Sensuality. What is your, what is your dominant defect? And uh, that's what we can talk about, and then we can work on it. And it's, it's like a, like a, like you know, like Napoleon. He had all these strategies to win certain areas of the empire, and he would move troops into here, move troops into there, and with very small troops. He, he, he could, he could destroy whole entire massive armies that were way bigger than him because he was, you know, he had strategy. So you want to overcome pride, eh? Okay, good. We'll get a strategy for that, to grow in humility. We'll, we'll work on it. It's okay. Anything can be overcome. Anything. It's not, we don't have dyed in the wool, dyed uh, tattoos. I am permanently impatient. Well, we all have pride. Probably pride will die 24 hours after the body, but, but still, imagine that. The body dies and pride is still there, you know, still, still alive, you know. But that's why we have to, we all have egotism in some way. And this guy, Lorenzo Scupoli, well, you know, he really has very good spiritual strategies just to learn how to conduct ourselves in this fight against our own evil tendencies, our own weaknesses, our own temptations. He speaks in his chapters on self-distrust. You know, that's why in, 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 you know, entrusting oneself to a spiritual director or having more confidence in God, uh, training in spiritual war, what do you to spiritual warfare, by the way we pray or discipline ourselves. And then he has like short prayers when we get anxious, just a short little abandonment prayer. Aspirations when we're stressed, or longer moments of of uh, silence with God. Of course, when Lorenzo Scrupoli wrote this, I mean, he wasn't inventing anything new. I mean, he was going right back to Saint Paul and indeed our Lord Himself. Right? Saint Paul had that ancient tradition when he spoke to Saint Timothy. He said, 
You, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith, he said. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That's St. Paul speaking to an early bishop of the church. Fight the good fight. And, um, and you could say, you know, the, the same thing is what uh, St. Augustine mentions too in uh, the victory of Christ, of Christ that came thanks to his own struggle when he entered Jerusalem. And he mentions that moment when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Remember all the crowds acclaim him. They're, you know, just entered on that meek donkey. And St. Augustine comments on this. He says, the palm leaves, because everybody was waving palm leaves when Jesus came in. The palm leaves symbolize homage for they stand for victory. Our Lord is on the point of conquering by dying on the cross. Under the sign of the cross, he is about to triumph over the devil, the prince of death. Christ is our peace because he is the victor. He has won the victory because he has fought in a hard struggle against the accumulated evil of human hearts. You see? So we connect our struggle to the struggle of Christ in the passion and we will win because he has conquered he has conquered and destroyed the power of the devil by his cross by his death on the cross and by his passion how the how the earth trembled when when he died and that it was really like the devil kind kind of being conquered being thrown on the ground like a like a like a like a you know like a sumo wrestler being thrown down on the ground Indeed, the book, Christ is Passing By, which, as you know, is a series of homilies by St. Josemaria, that title, Christ is Passing By, is a, is a title that effectively summarizes our task. We have to be Christ who passes by for others. We have to be like Christ who passes by in our manner, in our speech, in our eyes, in our smile, in our warmth, in our ability to listen, even though somebody's telling you silly stuff you don't care about. Oh, that's so interesting, Mrs. Um, Smith. You know, that's so interesting, wonderful, that's good. You know? Or if, you're, if your husband talks to you about uh, sports and and the Lakers and the, I don't know who's the, you know, whatever team. Maybe you're not that interested, but you listen. Show you're like Christ who is passing by. In your speech, in, and, and you arrive at that encounter. And maybe, could it be that others realize, or without knowing, come to see um, how, how Jesus must have been they get a, they just by your example, they get an idea of what Jesus must have been like. 
or at least somewhat what he must have been like through our dedication, through our discipline. On the other hand, you and I too have to see Christ in others. We are Christ who is passing by by our behavior and our good example. But we have to see Christ in others, in their dignity. Because Christ passes in front of us. We see, them, we see him in our family, in our friends, in our relatives. Lord, help me to see through the fog of my emotions. And I would, I would invite you to one, one particular area to struggle in in the next month, okay? This is just like a total suggestion, but maybe here's a good area to struggle in in a special way, like to do major battle, like cover territory in this area. This is like, okay, I'm Napoleon. I want you to cover this territory. What's the territory called that I want you to like totally conquer? It's not Westphalia. It's not Eastern Prussia. It's called the land of patience. Patience. How we all like it when people are patient with us. Even though we don't understand how something works. Or, we all really appreciate it when somebody is patient with us. And, and that's why we should, we should really try, try our best to be particularly... Show that patience. Because God is not going to ask the impossible. Well, yeah, humanly speaking, you could say he's asking the impossible, but supernaturally, he'll always give us the grace. Because holiness is not difficult, but it does require effort. But patience is a beautiful area for us to work in, because it's an expression of, of charity, but also, of course, of, of fortitude. And it requires us to start over and over. But you know what? We'll, we'll talk a little bit more with time about patience because uh, it is impossible for us to grow like that overnight all of a sudden. And uh, we have to go up the inclined plane. Let us not be um, discouraged by our falls or for that matter seeing our defects. Just go one step up at a time. You're not asked to go up instantaneously, but one step, unstep, you know, inclined plane, inclined plane. So in one way, you can be a little bit more patient with those around you by not throwing up your arms or simply not complaining. Expression of, of being more patient is not to complain. Our Blessed Mother will help us. She who stood valiantly at the foot of the cross, she'll help us to say, okay, it's morning, it's 6 a.m., you got to get up. Let's do it. Offer your day to God out of love. You know, some people, they wake up and they just want to crawl back into the sheets as though that were a better place. It's not a better place. It's just a more comfortable place, but it's not a better place. We've got to leap out and embrace the day, face the challenge, because our Lord wants that sanctity for you and me. Our Blessed Mother will help us in this task. Thank you.
I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.